Hi everybody, I'm Jeff Suckendorf, CEO of UTDs. I don't even know the name of my company anymore. It changed. We did <laughs> what, that five times. Is the name changed? Yeah, it's UTD Scuba Diving now, not Unified Team Diving. Anymore. Well, it's Unified Team Diving or UTD Scuba or UTD Diving. Diving. Yeah. You can have an official name. It's UTD Scuba Diving. Okay. All right, everybody, Jeff here. I am alone today. We don't have our training director, Ben Boss, with us, but he will be back with me next week. And we have a really awesome talk coming up next week on uh, on risk and how much is acceptable and how to manage it and mitigate it. And I think that'll be a really interesting thing. But today, I want to talk about goals. So I've actually wanted to do this podcast for a little while, and I'm now finally getting to it. The, uh, the idea of goal setting in scuba diving has been coming up in my life quite a bit, particularly around the clients in UTD scuba diving who I coach in the coaching program. So we've been talking a lot about goals and we've been talking a lot about the process of getting to goals and a lot, a lot, a lot about outcome versus process or process versus outcome. So I want to delve into that a little bit. We created the coaching program in UTD to slow the world down, basically, to slow down a training program from two weekends or four days to a series of months, maybe a year, and to basically not take certification off the table, but make the process primary and certification secondary. Now, I know in traditionally in scuba diving, that's not been the case. You go into a three or four day class with the expectation that you're going to get certified in something. We don't actually have that in UTD. We have since day one always said that you pay for training, but you have to earn certification. And certification is never a given. If it's your planned outcome, then good, work hard, earn the certification, and that works really well. If you go through a training program with us and you don't quite reach the level of the standards, we actually have a form for this for the instructors to use called the Path to Completion Form. So rather than a certification form, they will fill out this Path to Completion Form and you'll get a very clear picture of what are the steps to go to get to your goal of, if if this is the goal, certification in this particular field, whatever it happens to be, tech or cave or recreational two or whatever it is. So the goal is the thing that becomes the focus in many, many classes. And that's the piece I want to talk about today. So goal setting, goal management, and timing of goals is all a big piece of this. So of course, we can't go more than about three seconds on a UTD podcast without talking about cycling. So we're going to have that as a piece of it also. But this has come up, as I said earlier, this has come up a lot in my life. So I want to take a little sideways turn here and talk about the bike. So I am a, uh, I'm a master's athlete, a master's cycle, cyclist. I race my bike at, at a pretty high level and uh, had this idea a few years ago that I should try to break the U.S. hour record on a bicycle. So this is kind of an iconic thing in cycling. It's been going on since the 1800s, and it's the simplest and at the same time the hardest thing you can actually do in cycling. So it's very simple. How far can you ride your bike in an hour? And that's it. And it seems like it should be manageable. But, you know, when you look at a sprint, which is, you know, maybe for 
30 seconds or 40 seconds, or you look at a, a hard endurance effort, like a really maxed out effort, which might be two, three, four minutes. Now we're talking about trying to maintain that for an hour. And it is crazy hard. The records are getting faster and faster and faster. The, uh, the elite record is now about 55 kilometers. The playing field is kind of leveled because it has to happen on a track, on a velodrome. So it's dead flat. You can't go to the top of a mountain and ride downhill for an hour and call yourself the fastest cyclist in an hour. So it's you, or in this case, me, a bicycle and a velodrome. As I said, I've been working on this um, for a couple of years now. And my plan is to attack this record in the age group of 70 plus, which seems like it's really old. But, you know, here we are, April 2022. I'm 66. I'll be 67 in a few weeks. So I'm about three years away from this. And I look at this and say, well, first of all, 70 seems really old. But, you know, when we were kids, 70 was like two feet in the grave. And, you know, 40 was old and 50 was, oh, my God. But now 70 is looking pretty, pretty much fun. So I have this goal to set this record. And, you know, I'm not a elite athlete. I'm not a former pro cyclist. Well, actually, I am a pro athlete in scuba diving, but that doesn't really count for this. So there are a couple of ways that I have to attack this, right? I have to attack it through science. I have to attack it through fitness. And I have to attack it through being smarter than everybody else who's done the record. Earlier this year, I switched to a new coach. And we are really focused on seeing if we can get my fitness to a point where I actually have a shot at this thing. And so, you know, and we have three years to do it. So what's interesting about that is we're in the middle of a feasibility period where I'm actually writing efforts to see if it's conceivable that I can get fast enough or go far enough in this hour to make it worth pursuing the record. This is what my thinking has always been on this. And so I set a course record at the San Diego Velodrome. It was 38 kilometers. That wasn't all that great. The record is 43. Now the record at 43 is at, at a high elevation velodrome, indoors, no wind, perfect conditions, all of that. So we have to go after that. But you know, I'm looking at going five kilometers faster. So I did a feasibility test yesterday, indoor velodrome, Los Angeles, and it was right around 40 kilometers. So I've gained two in these past few months, which is awesome. So I have three to go, three kilometers to go, which is three kilometers an hour, which is actually quite a bit. But in the course of this whole work on feasibility, my coach, Ben Sharp, and I had a conversation not long ago, a few weeks ago, which is what generated this whole idea of doing this podcast on goals. And, and I, I said to him, you know, this feasibility thing is going to be, can, is it reasonable to think that I could actually set the record? And if not, we should do something else. And he said something really smart to me. He said, you know, lots of people try for records and don't succeed. And that was kind of one of those epiphany moments for me. And I was like, oh, I mean, it'd be great if I succeeded, but what if I don't? And I started to look really carefully at the process of training these past two years and the next three that I have planned, thinking that if I don't set this record, it's okay but the process of training for it is everything. So it led me down the road, of course, of process versus outcome, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast. We've talked a lot about in the, in the UTD training methodology where the process becomes everything. And if you do the process, the outcome is inevitable. Now, you know, I'm talking about the hour record. The outcome is whatever I can do. If it 
is faster than anybody else in the United States, that's awesome. If it's not, that's awesome. But the training is everything. And so this is where I've gone now with this whole program of training for this hour record is I'm looking at the process as the goal. So these next three years of training are not going to be wasted if I miss the record. They're actually going to be just as vital because nothing in my training is going to change now based on what I do in three years. So let's look at goals, mine and others, and say, how do we, how do we approach this in a way that gives us the ability to look forward in our, in our planning for our life and what we're doing and, and how we want to manage our training on whatever it happens to be, be it scuba, be it cycling, or be it anything else. So I have this vision about goals, that goals should be 50% believable. I think if you set up a goal that's 50% believable, it gives you something to work for, it's not a simple quick grab, and it's satisfying at the end. Again, going back to the bike, for me, if I set a goal of doing a 100-mile bike ride, 160 kilometers, that's not a, a smart goal for me, because I do that all the time. And that's just like knock out a big bike ride. So I could achieve that goal today, tomorrow, it doesn't matter. So that's not a good goal for me to pick. On the other hand, doing a 100-mile bike ride in four hours, that's kind of unobtainium. I don't think there will ever be a day in my life where I'm going to ride a four-hour 100-mile bike ride. So the reality of my life as a cyclist is that's not a good goal either. The hour record is an interesting goal because it's a time trial. You go against the clock. You go as hard as you can. I'm trying to get to a record. I know I'm going to be close either side of it, a little above or a little below. And it is 50% believable to me that I could accomplish this. So as we set goals and as we look at how we want to do goals in our life, I think the most important thing is to look at the process of getting to that goal and making that process primary and making the goal secondary. So in a, in a bicycle time trial, you're racing against the clock. The outcome is 100% up to you, or in this case, me. So I'm going to train for years. I'm going to do a big bike ride. I'm going to do the best I can, and I'm going to reach my goal of doing the best I can. If it's faster than everybody else, awesome. If it's not faster than everybody else, awesome. It's still my goal. I've still done the best that I possibly can. And I have then lived the past two years and the next three years in this training system that's making me stronger, healthier, having more fun, being more satisfied, reaching small little daily goals. So today I have a ride. It's a strength training ride on the bike. I've done this ride before. My goal is to knock this thing out harder than I've ever done it before, which I know I can do. It might be only by a tiny bit, but I know that my daily goal today is to train the best I possibly can. Each time I do that, it builds the overall fitness, builds my overall mental capability to accomplish my long-term goal. And I'm going to do this for the next three years. So enough about cycling. Let's talk about scuba diving. That's why we're here. If you look at your goals, I think there are two things that are really important. One is set goals that are 50% believable, which includes the time frame. If your goal is tech one, let's set the time frame that's reasonable depending upon where you're starting. If you're starting from scratch, maybe it's a two-year goal. If you're starting from tech recreational, where you're halfway there, maybe it's a two-month goal. But start 
your goal setting with a schedule that's reasonable. And then look at the 50% rule. Is your goal 50% believable? So I was speaking with somebody yesterday about becoming a cave diver. This particular person is not technically trained yet. So our cave program is pretty straightforward. We have an overhead protocols class that trains all of the critical skills in 20 feet, six meters of open water. And uh, it's generally our tech recreational class, but it's done with a blacked out mask and on a line. So it's all of the failures that you would find in a tech class, but you do them blindfolded. And which is of course simulating being in a cave with the lights out. So if you set your goal at cave one, and then you know your course progression is only two classes, right? Overhead protocols and cave one. If you have not done our tech recreational or our tech one class, there's almost no way you're going to get through overhead protocols. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's a complex critical skills training program designed to prepare you for big emergencies in a cave without lights on a line. The tech recreational class is a class that prepares you for emergencies and critical situations in open water where you can see. It's a huge difference. And basically, it's the same class. There's some line following skills and line management skills and overhead protocols, but the critical skills training and the failures and the simulations and all of that is pretty much the same. So a reasonable goal, a realistic goal would be take a tech recreational class, learn those skills, go practice them a little bit, then take the overhead protocols course where you're only adding the line work and doing the same skills on this line with a blacked out mask. Once that's done, you move on. You've got all those personal skills those critical skills, the team skills worked out. Then you go into cave one and you really only have to train on the environment, how to manage yourself in the environment, setting lines in the real cave, following lines, managing lines, managing navigation, all of that. So they're small steps and they're completely manageable. So coming to us clean, it would be essentials of tech, tech recreational, overhead protocols, cave one, a super nice progression that could take somebody anywhere from who knows what to who knows how many years. You decide your schedule and you decide how much time you have to practice, how much money you have to spend on helium to do your tech dives, all of that. So setting a goal of cave one with a reasonable process like that gives you the ability to move through the process in these small steps. And at the same time you're doing that, be successful along the way. So that training program, we're going to call that the process. That training program of Essentials of Tech, Tech Creational or Tech One, Overhead Protocols, Cave One, that is a process that's going to lead to an outcome of a Cave One certification. If your whole focus during all four of those classes and all of those years of training is on the Cave One card, then you lose so much satisfaction, so much fun, so much success in the steps it's taking to get there. On the other hand, if you look at this, whatever month or year-long training program of these four classes as the goal, that the goal is the process, then all of a sudden you're in this situation where every day you wake up and it's like, awesome, 
what do I get to work on today to move me closer to my goal? And what is the mini goal I'm going to do today? What is the chapter I'm going to study? What are the skills I'm going to work on in the pool? What is the dive I'm going to plan with my team? And as you work on these sub-goals within the process of reaching your main goal, you get to this really interesting point where waking up in the morning, doing your little mini goal, your mini workout, your mini training, whatever it happens to be, as a part of the process, becomes the reason to get up in the morning, becomes your raison d'etre, becomes your, your motivating tool to be satisfied with the work you're doing. Metaphysically, this is what living in the moment means. It means being present and not focusing on the future any more than you have to. So we take our goals, we set them, we make them 50% believable. Then we define a process to get there. Now that process is a, a moving target. It's always going to be changing. Things are going to get in the way. You're going to have successes that you didn't expect. You're going to have setbacks that you didn't expect, but it doesn't matter because it's all part of the long-term process. And eventually you're going to get to this point where you're in your cave one class or whatever your final goal on this journey is, and the outcome becomes inevitable. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to pass, right? Inevitable means you do the best you can. Likely you'll pass because you've done all the work and you reach this goal and that's awesome. And then you've got the card. Now, that certification card, after, let's say, two years of training and tech diving and overhead protocols and all of this work, I've seen this over and over again. The card becomes a letdown. We've actually seen people reach their certification level, their goal, and stop diving either for a while or in some cases forever because the process was everything. The goal was nothing. They reached the goal and it's like, okay, now what? Next, let's go learn surfing. Let's go learn kiteboarding. Let's go learn bowling. Let's go... Once the, the energy and the thrill of the process goes away with the completion, sometimes people just say, okay, that's it. I did it. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does allow you to look at the idea that the process really was everything. And the, the outcome was so secondary to the process. So this happens at every level, right? We can make this happen for new divers in an open water scenario where you come in and, and you do a training program and you can do it traditionally where it's a four-day class and you get a certification card and the holy grail is the card. And once you get the card, life's great and you can go diving. Or you can say, it's the process that is really appealing to me. Let me spend some time and study this. So this is all of where coaching came from in UTD scuba diving. Coaching came with the idea of let's slow down the process from four days to four months or four years or whatever it is. And let's work on tangents. Let's think out of the box. Let's do training that goes so far beyond the basic skill set of a certification class. So when you get to that certification class, you're such a broader diver, a bigger, well-rounded diver. My recreational coaching clients who I'm working with this past month and moving forward, all of them are now working their way through our UTD photography class, which is not your average photography class. This is not a two-hour classroom and two dives where you go get a photography specialty and Bob's your uncle. This is a very complete 
training program on visual storytelling. How do you tell a story with a camera? We call it photography and video documentary storytelling. So rather than teach someone how to use a camera, which is kind of insane because you know, in six weeks, another camera is going to come out with different buttons and different resolution. And, you know, instead of 4K, it's 20K or it's 50K or 200K or whatever. It doesn't matter. The process of storytelling is not going to change. So in a training program on photography, I'm much more interested in teaching people how to actually construct and tell a story. So this program has a pre-production section where you establish your story, you get your script in order, you figure out how you're going to shoot it, when and where, what's the equipment, all of that. Then there's a production section where you actually go out and do the photography or the video. And then there's a post-production and editing section where we talk about how to create the story so people appreciate it and understand it. And then there's a delivery section where, you know, where do you put it? Do you set it up for projection and bring your friends over? Do you put it on YouTube? Does it go on Vimeo? What is it? So as I said, it's not your average photography class. Rather than making it a one-day specialty, this is going to get stretched out to be six or eight weeks for each of these clients. They're going to go through the program. Then they're going to set a goal, make a movie or do a book, either one. And that goal is going to be 50% believable. Hopefully by the end of their program, it's going to be 100% accomplishable, but the goal has to be 50% believable. So again, I've taken a small, tiny little specialty class and I've changed it into a two-month or three-month or four-month training program in documentary storytelling. Now, for the coaching clients who don't want to go on and do the final projects, that's okay. They've had a couple of weeks of learning about photography and video and storytelling and documentaries and all of that. And that's super cool. But for those who decide to go on and do the project and do a book or do a video, it becomes this really interesting overlay to the training that they're doing in scuba diving. We train scuba divers to dive beautifully, neutrally buoyant, horizontal trim, paying attention to your buddy, all of that. When you give those divers a camera, the diving becomes secondary and the camera becomes everything. And because our divers are good divers, photography becomes easier, and the focus can be on the story, on the subject, on what you're looking at. So the process is everything in this. The process is the training process, the development of a project, the execution of the project, the editing and the delivery, and the ability to tell your story, whatever that story happens to be. So if the goal is you want to do a movie on a shipwreck in your area, research it, study it, interview people, do the dives, get the footage, edit it, make the story, make the process everything. If it doesn't get you an Academy Award, it doesn't matter. It's about the process. If you make three people happy by seeing your movie, you've been successful. If you make no one happy except yourself by seeing your movie, you've been successful. Look at the goal, look at the project, and then off you go. So that's what I'm giving to the coaching clients, the recreational coaching clients right now. And people are rising to it in a really interesting way. So when I had this conversation, I was getting ready to do this recording. I had this conversation with someone and the question that came up almost immediately was, all right, so I have a goal or I want to do a goal or I want to learn about goals or I want to do something that's fun. Where do I start? How do I start? What's the beginning process? And I just thought, well, that's an awesomely good question. And I should probably look at trying to figure out how to answer it. Where do you start? So you start with goals. I do some work as a life coach and I had a client who we were talking about goals who just felt like 
had no reason for being, was just bored, tired, was doing the grind at work, and was just not having fun. They said, you know, what can I do that's fun? What can I do that would be challenging and fun? It's like, all right, well, you need a goal. I didn't really care what the goal was. We talked about all sorts of things. We talked about doing a triathlon for the first time. We talked about writing a book. We talked about writing a screenplay. We talked about doing this or that or this accomplishment or that accomplishment. And I believe this was a long time ago, but I believe that we settled out on a big mountain hike, a big mountain trek. It's like, okay, there's your goal. Is it 50% believable? Well, yes. Why? Because I have the wherewithal to travel to this location. I know that I'm not fit enough to do it now, but I can train to become fit. I can get stronger. I'm interested in the culture. So there are all these pieces, parts. So how do you start? Find the goal that turns you on. For that person, triathlon was not that interesting. Writing a book was not that interesting. Accomplishing a big mountain trek past their you know daily level of fitness, that was cool. The next thing was, let's set up a training program and let's look at What are the mini goals we're going to set? What are the targets along the way? What are the things we need to accomplish to get you to your goal? And let's make that training program primary. Let's make the focus, the training for the next number of months. We'll make that primary. That is going to be your goal right now is just to do the training. And then if we do the training correctly, the outcome becomes inevitable and your odds of 50-50 on your goal go way up, right? Especially if it's something personal, like in my case, this record. Whatever time I set, I set. It's my time. It's my record. If it's a mountain trek, you get to the top or you don't. It doesn't matter. It just matters that you do your best. Scuba is the same thing. If you're going into a technical program, well, the only thing that really matters is that you do your best. Step up, do your best. And if you do your best, you're going to reach your goal. If your goal is certification and it takes a little longer to get there, that's okay. If your goal is certification and you knock it out quickly, that's okay. More time to practice. Add another goal on top. Make it tougher. You finish out tech recreational overhead protocols in cave one. All right, let's go do cave two. Let's learn how to navigate in a cave. You get that done. Let's go back and do tech two and get deeper in open water. And then let's go do cave three and get deeper in a cave. There's all this stuff you can do to push the goals out as you're reaching your interim goals. So why do I think this is important? I think that we are in a society now where everybody is focused on the prize. We did a podcast, I'll have to find out which episode it was, where we talked about this book by George Leonard called Mastery. And it's such an interesting book. One of the, it's a book basically about education, but one of the topics that he talks about in the book is the plateau theory of learning. The theory is that, particularly in Western society, in our society, that we go through this plateau system of learning where you learn on a trajectory and then once you learn something you sit on a plateau with that for a while and utilize it and then get to a point where you're ready for another jump and you do another jump in learning then you get on another plateau for a while then you do a jump in learning and you get on a plateau george leonard's theory is that in our society people live for that educational jump that launch that that high that comes with learning something new. And they rush through the plateau as fast as possible to get to the next jump in learning. But his theory is, and I totally believe this, that plateau is where all the cool parts of life happen. That plateau is where the joy is and where the the ability to 
grow and practice and learn new things and learn nuances and, and all of that occurs. And when you naturally come out of that plateau and you get to the next jump in education, you're ready for it. And it's really cool. So the coaching program in UTD, my coaching program in cycling, it's all based on living on the plateau and loving the plateau and being in the moment of all of these training elements to a point where we can say, I just love getting up in the morning and training because that's the goal. That's what I'm doing it for. And then years down the line, when I get on a track with my bike and all my stuff and I try to break a record, I will ride as hard as I possibly can and I will make my own personal record. That's cool. In diving, the cool part of diving, the living on the plateau, is all the amazing dives you can do at your new certification level. The certification, that jump in education, that spike to get to the next plateau, it's a tool to get you to the cool parts of life. It's a tool to get you to the plateau. That plateau is phenomenal. So if you've been diving your whole career with a certification level at 60 feet, 18 meters, there's a ton to see. If you find a series of dives that you want to do that are at 100 feet, 30 meters, do the jump and learning. Do the certification program. Train to get certified to the next depth. And then go see the cool things. This is the plateau. Go see the cool things that you can now see at 100 feet or 30 meters. If you want to go deeper than that, if you have dives that you want to do that are 130 or 150 feet, do the training. Take the jump in training, get certified, recreational or tech one, whichever depth you want, and then go do the cool dives and know that you got there by doing the training and that the goal is not that certification card. The goal is what you do with it. Same thing on the bike. Although I have this record attempt in front of me, the goal is the training and what I do with the training. So it's just a way to reframe what we always do, which is take a course and then go dive or train for an event and then go do the event or research a topic and then write a book, whatever it happens to be. The reframing is the fact that this process is everything, that the time spent to reach the goal is in many cases more important than the goal. Answer my question, how do I start? What do I do? If it's in diving, great. Let us know. We'll help you reach your goal. If you want to do it through coaching, let us know. We'll help you in coaching. If you want to do it through a skills camp, we just had our first skills camp in San Diego. It was incredibly successful. Again, we took the process of basically our extreme scuba makeover class, our ESM class, and we made it stretched out over three days. It was really cool. Certification never came up, was never an issue, was never part of it. People went home as better divers, and that was the goal of that. So now do the camp, improve your personal skills, go home, get on the plateau, and enjoy this newfound skill set you have to make diving better. If your goal is to write a book and you've never written a book before, figure out a training program to learn how to write a book. There are tons of those out there. Take a course at a local college. You can do anything you want to get to that point. Just try it. If you succeed, awesome. If you don't succeed, awesome. It's the process that's so critical to this. So that's basically what I wanted to talk about today is the idea of living on the plateau as the cool part of life. 
living in the moment in a way that makes you a more powerful human being, a more powerful instructor, a more powerful diver, a more powerful writer, athlete, whatever it happens to be. So be in touch with us about your goals. Send us a note, info at utdscubadiving.com or jeff at utdscubadiving.com and let us know what you're working on. Let us know what your goals are. And, you know, I'd be interested in collecting this and maybe even building out a web page for people's projects. You know, we now have our diving projects set up on a web page so you can see what we're working on. It's on the website under projects. You'll see it. But I think I'd also like to set up a page on personal projects, personal goal setting, personal things like that. You know, let's, and let's look at some of the things you're trying to do, particularly in diving, but also not in diving. And let's get them out there for everybody to look at and, and really talk about, you know, what is the training program to get you to your goal and why and how are you going to live that training program in the moment and make the training program the goal? It's an interesting way to live life and I encourage everybody to have a shot at it. So thanks for listening today. I've wanted to do this talk for a long time. And uh, as always, you can find the rest of our podcast where we're much more focused on the specifics of diving and the technology of diving and talking to great guests and all of that. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and review if you feel like we're doing a good job. And if you don't think we're doing a good job, send us a note. Tell us how we can improve. So we look forward to speaking to you all in the next episodes of the UTD Scuba Diving Podcast. And go out. Set a goal, make it 50% believable, build a training program, have some fun, let us know. All right, Just thanks everybody. Looking inside. Hell is going outside. One way. Working down the street of 